Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. So for tonight's show, we will be going over uh, the free folk, the rest of, uh, you know, what we had discussed on uh, Tuesday. Uh, For those that haven't listened to that show, definitely go check that one out. But that one isn't required listening to listen to uh, this episode. Uh, it's just a two-parter because it's just so much content. It's hard to uh, get everything in there all at once. Um, you know, it'd be like a three and a half hour, you know, show if we tried to do it all all in one go. And so we felt uh, it was best to break all the different factions up into two-parters. Um, so for this one, just the commanders and all the tactics cards. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, how that goes. So in the previous one, we talked about the units, the attachments, and the NCUs. And, uh, and you know, for this one, uh, I think it should be uh, relatively quicker. Um, we'll jump right into it and talk about the tactics deck. That's something that we've already discussed with the Vision in the Flames, but a lot of them were just changed slightly. So I'm going to just kind of read off all seven, and then we'll kind of uh, talk about the tactics deck as a as a whole. Um, so it looks like regroup and reform stayed the same. Uh, coordination tactics looks like it stayed the same as well. There's too many, um, I believe... They took away the restriction of more remaining ranks, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have the older cards on hand. Maybe I could probably look up the article. Um, You're right. They took away the restriction for requiring more ranks. Okay, cool. Um, Let's see. Next up, so... Uh, now there's too many is when an enemy is performing a panic test before rolling dice, the enemy suffers minus one to their roll and plus one on a failure for each of your friendly units at short range up to three. So uh, this card went from good before with the more remaining ranks to, uh, I mean, this is going to like decimate units Um you know, plus three on the damage, especially if you got intimidating presence from a champion of bone, you're looking at D3 plus four, and it's going to be at minus four, if not minus six, if you got vicious on the unit. Because if you swing with your followers of bone, with a champion of bone, uh, yeah, you're looking at a minus six panic test with a D3 plus, uh, plus four, if you get a panic token on there, you can really help ensure that you get um, uh, six to seven wounds, you know, because they're probably going to fail the panic test, but you're more worried about the panic token to help make sure they don't roll a one on that D3. Um, next up, we got diversion tactics. Now they remove the restriction of unactivated unit. Uh, now it's just simply uh, target one other friendly unit in long range of the defender, and it performs one maneuver action, which is nice because that is what uh, I believe Theon Greyjoy has. So Theon Greyjoy has this exact wording. It it was just kind of weird that uh, Free Folk would have that that one restriction. Um, 
overwhelming assault. I let me check. Uh, it was if the attacker has more remaining ranks than the defender, you choose one, and if there's two or more enemies, choose one. Now it's simply you get one effect uh, for every unit engaged. So if you have somehow have three units engaged, you'll get to pick all three, which is reroll attack dice, critical blow, and sundering. And a lot of times if you use this card on the charge and that you only need two units engaged to really get all the effects since you'll already have rerolls. Then again, keep in mind this is uh, a great card if you're going to be um, charging over a hindering piece of terrain. Um, next we have surrounded and exposed. Target one enemy for each of your friendly units at short range of that enemy beyond the first. That enemy gains one condition token. I think this was a perfect uh, change because before it was based on remaining ranks, but it wasn't, uh, they didn't have the caveat that you need uh, beyond the first. So if you want to just stack three tokens on someone, you're going to have to have four units all within short range, which I think is reasonable. You know, for a tactics card to throw out tokens, you see a lot of them throwing out two, uh, one with some other effect, but this card throwing out two isn't that hard. Throwing out all three uh, is it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, though not impossible, you know, with free folk. Uh, then you got Endless Horde, which I believe did not change at all, and that is all seven of them. Uh, so let's, uh, you know, I completely apologize. I forgot to mention our guest for tonight. Uh, we have on with us uh, some will know him uh, from Discord as uh, Free Folk Sam. Thank you so much uh, for being on with us tonight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, uh, what do you kind of think about the changes here? I think there's, well, having played the deck now, um, it's, it's really good change in my experience. Um, with the old deck, I, I had a lot of dead cards. I, I have not yet to feel like I have a dead card in my hand. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the tactics deck is a lot more, you know, user-friendly. Uh, and you just speed through cards like crazy now. Um, it's, you know, I never feel like I have to really hold on to cards. And then when you uh, factor in... Uh, Mance Raider and Craster being able to draw you more cards. I just feel like in all the games I've played, I have no trouble going through my whole tactics deck by the end of the game, and I don't even really have to take the letter if I don't want to to do that because of how quickly a lot of these triggers uh, are happening. Because let's see here, we got uh, start of any turn, uh, claiming a zone, uh, performing an attack, uh, an enemy attacking you, um, your enemy taking a panic test, uh, start a turn, start a turn. Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, all these triggers are super easy to come by, especially when you're free folk and you have uh, 
you know, a horde faction with tons of units, you know, you're going to have lots of opportunities to get these cards out of your hand. You might be waiting for a certain moment to use a certain one, uh, but I, I find myself, uh, you know, being able to come across, you know, the timing so much more easy than before. Before, you know, the tactics deck for me was the deterrent of why I didn't like playing Free Folk. I just, even though Free Folk were considered, you know, the best or second best faction out there in 1.6, I just, I didn't have fun playing them because my tactics deck just didn't feel uh, fluid enough. Uh, Brett, what do you think about uh, the changes they made? I think you might be muted, Brett. Are you still there? I was muted. Um, I think it's a really good change. Um, the bigger part of the uh, tactics deck, as it was shown in the Visions article, was the uh, <clears throat> the incompatibility it had with the starter box because the starter box comes with two giants. So if you had bought the Free Folk deck now, while I still maintain that the old version was still relatively good, um, if you bought into Free Folk and you deployed the two giants, you know, with what came in your your uh, starter set, you would have been pretty disappointed that a lot of your cards weren't going to trigger because of those giants. Because the giants, while they count as wounds, uh, while wounds count as remaining wounds count as ranks for the purposes of controlling and contesting objectives, but they don't for the purposes of these cards. So um, outside of controlling and um, contesting objectives, giants are only one rank. So they weren't ever going to be able to contribute to those cards because even if they were close by, they didn't have the rank uh, over their opponent to really let those cards pop off. So that was a big concern with the initial leaked version, or not leaked, the initial uh, shown version of the Free Folk deck. So getting that alone, just those little subtle changes to how those cards trigger is actually really big, and it's made the deck not only playable, but I think people who give the Free Folk a fair shake, you know, more than just one game and start messing around with it, they're finding that this deck is actually really, really potent, and you've got the Mance card draw machine, as I think you've kind of alluded to. So all in all, um, as, as badly as Free Folk were kind of getting attacked as being a weak faction, I think they're coming out of the wash right about where they should be. They're pretty strong. Um, and they've got the capabilities of keeping up with uh, some of the heaviest hitters, and a lot of that is that really potent deck. So um, if I was a Free Folk player, I would be pretty happy with this. The only drawback to playing Free Folk in 1.6 was, you know, as you mentioned, I, I don't know if it's fair to say dead cards, but they were definitely harder to trigger. So, um yeah, this has got to be a vast improvement for these free folk players. They've got to be much happier with this tactic deck. Um, I know when I played around with them in playtesting, I was like, well, you know, this, they're a little bit different. You know, you're not just swarming with insignificant units, but you're still swarming because the landscape has changed, and these guys are really strong. So I knew they were going to be pretty powerful, so I'm glad that people are starting to realize that as well. Yeah, and I think another part of that is uh, the fact that uh, Free Folk are no longer going to be able to, like, out-activate other factions by, you know, like, four or five. You know, it's it's going to be, in a lot of cases, it might only be one. Uh, but I would say more often than not, it will be two. 
from my experience and the list I've made so many lists for so many factions and yeah I think uh, that's why the deck also needed to get a huge boost because you're not going to be able to like um, you know completely out uh, perform on the field the way you you know used to be able to because of uh, you know activations I know Starks had all the wolves and stuff but that was like the only reason Starks ever got to, you know, get close to Free Folk. Uh, otherwise, Free Folk usually would have so many more activations than everyone else. But now, in lots of games of playing Free Folk, uh, you know, I would say average for me was two more activations. Um, so I think this tactics deck, uh, you know, is amazing. It's funny because I was just mentioning to Sam um, that... Uh, this deck in any other faction, I think, would be like broken. Like this, this deck is so ridiculously good, but it's just the fact that it's with free folk who have flimsier units that this deck isn't. You know, it's it's right where it should be. Uh, you know, which I think is a good uh, game design. Um, but uh, before we linger too long on the tactics deck, we can move on to the actual units. Um, so first, or not units, but, uh, commanders. So first up, we're going to talk about, uh, the Weeper. So the Weeper, I like him a lot. I would say he's arguably my least favorite, and that's not because he's bad by no means. I think he's really good. Just a personal preference, I guess. Um, so the Weeper has order. Grizzly example. Start of any turn, this, user, uh, this unit suffers one wound. Target all enemies in short range, they become panicked. And he has weakened resolve. Each time an enemy engaged with this unit fails a panic test, they become weakened. Um, I believe that's similar to his uh, attachment version. Um, he then has cruel methods. Start of any turn, target one enemy combat unit. You may expend one panic token from that unit if you do choose two one friendly infantry unit in long range restores two wounds and a you can select it multiple times and that enemy becomes vulnerable that enemy becomes weakened so similar to the ramsey card uh i like that this one's a bit more flexible uh it's just any friendly infantry uh unit is going to be able to restore wounds um, and it allows you to turn one panic token, if you wanted, into a vulnerable and a weakened. So, pretty good card. Price of Failure is this next one. When a friendly unit is performing an attack before attack dice are rolled, all attack dice rolls automatically hit for this attack. For each roll that would have missed, the attacker suffers one wound. Um, I think amazing for free folk. Uh, I mean, your unit is usually going to be cheaper than your opponent's unit. So for every wound you take uh, is definitely less uh, value than the wounds you do to your uh, opponent, especially if that attack is going to finish off the unit. Uh, and then lastly, he has remorseless examples. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, this attack destroyed an enemy rank. Target one other enemy in long range of that enemy, they become panicked. This attack destroyed the enemy. Also place one corpse pile with the following keywords anywhere fully in short range and not overlapping other terrain. The keywords it will gain, to gain is hindering and grim reminder. 
Enemies suffer minus one to their morale test rolls and plus one wound from failing panic tests while in short range. Now, I want to bring up with this card that uh, was already asked on uh, the Facebook page is that this does stack with uh, a normal corpse pile. So if you're within short of this and a corpse pile, you will have minus two to your morale test and plus one wound from failing a panic test. And that is because the only reason corpse piles don't stack as is is because you can't stack the same keyword, uh, which I believe is horrific. Um, but Grim Reminders is a different name and different ability, even if it may have a partial similarity. So that is why this corpse pile will stack with a normal corpse pile. Um, obviously, you wouldn't stack uh, hindering. Not that stacking hindering would do anything, but, but yeah. So I think uh, a very creative and nice card. Um, it at least has an effect that will happen, no matter you know, as long as you destroy a rank. Uh, but killing a unit, I think, uh, will be great for uh, helping out the rest of your army, especially if you're running a bunch of uh, followers of bone, or just even a bunch of champion of bone and other units, uh, combined with uh, the one card I can't remember the um, to add uh, panic damage. Um, which one was that? that there's, was, too uh, there's too many. There's too many. Okay, there's too many. Um, so there's too many plus this card plus um, like a normal, you know, the amount of stacking you can do with some of the panic stuff in Free Folk is actually pretty uh, pretty crazy. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how all that pans out. Um, so Weeper as a whole, what's your kind of take on him, Brett? Well, you know, as as a Lannister player, um, they were the first faction I really ever played. Um, and Lannisters today in 2021 feel more like the Lannisters of, like, 1.4 when I started to play the game. Um, just massive, massive panic damage, uh, and that being your primary source of offense for the army. Um, the Weeper kind of brings a little bit of that to the table. And I think this is one of those cases where um, people will – kind of overlook that remorseless example card. Um, it's worth noting that um, enemies that are within short range of that are going to take the minus one to their morale penalty. You're not going to. So when you get back into um, playing on the table, when you're playing in real life, as a free folk player, I would do something special to that corpse pile so that it's not going to get mixed up with the regular corpse pile just so that you don't make the mistake in the game. And I know that it's really easy to do in the heat of the moment. You just glance over, you see the corpse pile, and then you take that hindering as well, but it doesn't work against you. So that corpse pile can end up being a really bad area for the enemy to be. And I know this because I've played against the Queen of Marine who does something similar. And that corpse pile can be a really big hindrance, especially if the um, if it's placed in a spot where you're getting minus two from the corpse pile. It doesn't seem like much, but that extra minus one and the plus one wounds on failure is pretty substantial. Um, but with that said, he's similar to what he's always been. Um, you know, he had his pseudo panic token. Um, I think his new version can be better. And I think that the best time to pop a there's too many card, if possible, is with Followers of Bone against Horrific Visage because you can really, really, really stack um, 
some serious modifiers. For example, if you've got the gruesome reminders corpse pile, another corpse pile, and then just the modifier from the followers of bone, that's a minus five when they try to attack you with D3 plus one. Now, if you're able to throw a there's too many on top of that, it becomes a situation where even some of the highest morale units are failing that panic test, and they can end up dying. So it's pretty substantial. Free Folk is definitely different. They were always a panic army since the addition of Steyr NCU way back when, but now it's just kind of more in-your-face panic damage. They used to do panic just by sheer volume of panic tests uh, caused by auto wounds and things of this nature. Now they're just, like, modifying your panic and just straight adding wounds and just derailing you with panic. So it's an interesting army, um, and you can make some pretty nasty builds with them. They get really, really, really powerful. And like you mentioned, price of failure um, you know, if in, in the right circumstances, you know, something like Followers of Bone is hitting on fours. They could be fighting something that has disrupt, like you said. But if you if you play a nasty combo and end up picking up, like, coordinated assault from Spearwives and you've got, like, Steyr NCU on them, uh, they can end up charging in with critical blows. You might as well just reroll everything that's not a six. Um, you know, if you play... Um, uh, I don't have you any cards during me. Can you, can, you, can you play Overwhelming Assault and um, Price of Failure at the same time? Uh, let's see. Price of Failure sure is performing an attack before attack dice are rolled. So I do not believe so. Uh, which one? Okay. Price of Failure and which one? And uh, Overwhelming Assault. They're uh, probably both when attacked. No, they're both uh, before attack dice are rolled. So never mind the critical blow. But regardless, followers of Bone are coming in with seven attack dice, eight with Steyr, three automatic hits if you borrow coordinating assault. That's 11 automatic hits with Vicious and Sundering. Totally worth doing to a unit like Nightwatch Veterans because you're, they're, you know, they're, um, they're minus one to hit means nothing. You hit them 11 times. They're not designed to survive that type of damage. So I've seen a lot of people saying, you know, disrupt is so powerful, and how do you get around it? Well, it's supposed to be powerful because it's their it's their primary source of defense. The four plus defensive save isn't really that great. Uh, you either shoot them or you automatically hit them. This goes back to my time in Warhammer. Um, you know, and I know a lot of people played Warhammer. You know, you did impact hits as much as possible. You did stomps and thunder stomps. You did those because, well, not only are they good, but they're just automatic hits. Anytime I can do damage to you and I don't have to roll for it, anytime I can just take dice rolls away from me and take the possibility of dice going wrong, that's a win. So you need to look at things like that card and see the vast benefit because you don't need to roll. Um, just a yes. general rule that I play, anytime I play a war game, um, if I am making my opponent roll dice over and over again, something bad is going to happen eventually. Um, and it's the same, you know, when you're attacking. Eventually you're going to have a bad roll. That's just the nature of dice games. So anytime you can take dice out of the equation, automatic hits, automatically passing tests, things of this nature, uh, it's, going to, it's going to lead to good things for you because you are, you know, taking lady luck out of the equation. So that's a win. Yep. And uh, another thing I wanted to point out with the Weeper is, you know, most people, you know, now that thens were revealed, they have unyielding. Uh, thens, you know, look like the perfect bunker for, you know, whatever commander you're going to run. But I would say that the Weeper, you know, he'd be perfect in the follower, Followers of Bone because 
uh, you know, you have the grizz, grizzly example to start a turn, make make uh, your um, the enemy panicked, and then if they try to attack you, now they're taking a horrific uh, visage at minus three, possibly more, and now they're panicked to ensure that they fail that, and then when they fail it, the weakened resolve makes them weakened before their attack even goes through. So now that weakened token can be immediately used for that attack. Uh, and then, you know, you can attack on your turn, make them possibly feel a panic because you'll have vicious, make them weakened again. Like, you could just have this cycle of constant panicked and weakened tokens from the weeper uh, onto your enemy uh, if he's in followers of bone. I think uh, followers will be definitely much better, in my opinion, than throwing him in some thens. Uh, Sam, uh, how do you feel about the Weeper? I see a lot of potential with the Weeper. Um, let me know if there's background noise to bother me. Sorry, I can't really um, hear you. You're kind of muffled. No, um, I can barely hear you. How about one more time? Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, the weaker is interesting, as you were saying, that uh, you use uh, a follower's phone. I was looking at there's too many, and it looks like at, at minus you go up over six, if I'm, if I'm doing the math correctly, based on the number of ranks. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, three. Yeah, it would be as long as you got three units within short. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's insane. Like, like Brett was saying, you better be failing. But going back to what you were saying about the send, I'm, I'm looking at the send with the weepers with that panic and that weekend. You can take a ranged unit and just lock them down and keep them, you know, right in the fence face. Because the, the more I play with the fence, the more I see it's designed to keep the unit engaged locking down range units. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that, that to me is what the ends are looking like they're supposed to be doing. I think it would depend on the mission. Um, because I definitely, the, that strategy would be awesome to just constantly make the bowmen have to retreat from you and then uh, just keep following them around the table. Uh, and um, it uh but I, I don't know if I would want to do it with my commander because if there's objectives around, I don't want to, like, get sucked into their side of the board. Um, but I think even maybe you put the Weaver in, in some Fowler's of Bone and you still run some Thens, uh, I mean, you wouldn't be able to really put that weakened on them over and over. Um, but I, I like I said, I think it would just depend on the mission. Like, if you're playing Fire and Blood, then, and you don't have to worry about any objectives sitting around, uh, then that would be perfect to just constantly keep either charging them or forcing them to charge you, especially if you start of turn, panic them. That way, when they have to charge you, you can make them uh, re-roll if they somehow pass at a minus, you know, whatever ranks you're at. Uh, and, yeah, I think that uh, strategy could definitely pay off. What about uh, the rest of his cards? I was going to make an observation. 
quick tractor, and now it's called methods. You start to start to see this. Uh, the cars are creating a situation where they free for a heal a couple while they're swishing, and they, they wind up taking a lot of damage. But it seems to me that uh, the Simon did that these cars get the free for the ability to restore wounds and uh, stay in the fight. They're more resilient than I'm trying to say. Um, the other, and I have a question for both of you, being more experienced players. Do you see the Weeper being the car for, or the, the commander for the, the, the mirror match? For what? Against the free folk, a mirror match. Oh, mirror match. Uh, I think it would depend. Um, I think Weeper against, like, a Mance, uh, like, you know, bubble uh, wouldn't be all that effective. Um, you know, if you have, like, my main list right now is, you know, Mance in uh, some Thens with two Raiders on either side with Chieftains. And then on my flanks, I have some uh, Savages that don't need to be within the bubble. Um, I think it would depend on the matchup, but that's only one of the other five commanders because you could obviously have a, a true mirror match and be Weeper versus Weeper. But um, I would say the Weeper would uh, be pretty effective against um, the mirror match as long as it's not Mance. But as you were saying about the healing, I think that's a perfect uh, point um, because you can start of a turn spend a panic token for his card to heal potentially four for his once per game heal two now you're looking at six heals because you know uh, for anyone listening just remember that the order token on ncus aren't actual order tokens they just they use the order token to represent the ability uh, so even though both are start of turn, you can use use uh, both. So that's six wounds healed. And then let's say your immediate action is to then take the, the uh, wealth zone. And you could be looking up to nine wounds healed to a unit. You know, and you know it could even been you know your commander and thens. Uh, you know if you're running the weeper and thens, or maybe even just a thens unit with some attachment. And now, uh, you know, that unit that they've been trying to whittle away all game is now back to full health. Uh, you know, just kind of going back to how uh, much I value uh, Craster, that two wounds might not seem like a lot, but when you have Cruel Methods and Regroup and Reform and Craster and being able to take the wealth, you just have the ability to heal so much that, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of frustrating, I think, for some players because you're a horde faction. I mean, that's already the frustration I've seen people. I've played, I think, nine games now with Greyjoys, and uh, that's the frustration I've seen with a lot of people with how much Greyjoys heal. You add a lot of that healing to Free Folk, and you're going to get kind of the same frustration. And I don't mean frustration as in they're not enjoying the game, but, you know, just the normal frustration you might have in a game where you're you're so close to killing something, so flimsy, and then it just gets healed all the way back up or healed enough that it just stays around longer than it should. Um, yeah, so I think uh, Weeper's a good commander. Um, like I said, probably my least favorite, but that's not to say that he's not awesome. Um, it's just personal preference at that point. 
Uh, next up, we have Harma. She has uh, superior flanking as an order. When a friendly unit in long range is performing an attack before rolling attack dice, if attacking the defender in the flank or rear, the defender becomes panicked and vulnerable. And she also has enhanced mobility. This unit gains plus one to move and may pivot before marching. Her tactics cards are hit and run after a friendly unit completes a melee attack. If that unit began the turn engaged with the defender, they perform one retreat action. If this targets Harma's unit, each enemy it disengages from becomes weakened. Fainting maneuver. When a friendly unit successfully charges, if they contact the front of the enemy, instead align this unit's tray to any flank of that enemy. If they contacted a flank of the enemy, instead align this unit's tray to the rear of that enemy. And lastly, she has swift reposition. Start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit. It shifts two inches. This targets Harma's unit and may perform a three-inch maneuver action instead. So, uh, overall thoughts of Harma? Uh, I like her a lot. I like fainting maneuver because it allows you to get those multiple uh, units engaged with the same enemy to start triggering certain things like the overwhelming assault. Um, and just getting some of that, the flank bonuses. Swift reposition was nice to see on her because uh, we didn't see it in the main tactics deck. Uh, as we've discussed countless times, swift reposition is a very underrated card. Uh, and the fact that Harma gives a plus one move and uh, before March, using swift reposition on her is huge. Um, and then hit and run. Always an amazing card, uh, you know, because my favorite um, uh, combo right now for Free Folk, which I believe I mentioned in the last uh, show, is running a Matriarch and Spearwives with Harma's Bannerman. And because you're running Harma as your commander, you don't have, you're just paying a one point, uh, you know, you don't have to run Harma as her attachment and something else. If you get as your commander, Bannerman ignores restriction, uh, attachment restrictions. You put him in Spearwives, and now you can uh, shoot and charge uh, with the Spearwives, get in, attack, and then hit and run. Um, let's see. Uh, no, never mind. Sorry. They change hit and run because uh, you have to begin the turn engaged. But still, um, you can get charged, free retreat, uh, with the Matriarch, heal up because of the Bannerman. You could shoot and charge, and then uh, next turn, if they don't want to uh, attack you first because they're, they just know that you're going to get a free retreat, you attack with this um, and heal up again as you retreat from hit and run, especially if you took the free attack to do that. Now they have to sit there and wonder, okay, do I charge you just so that you retreat again for free and heal more. And then as their activation, shoot and charge. Like the combo gets pretty silly. Um, I was just playing Spencer, let's say Sunday. So I want to say yesterday morning with the combo. Granted, it wasn't Harma Commander. It was just a uh, Harma attachment. And it just, it gets really silly. The killing that unit, the only good answer for it a lot of the times is like expert duelist to like kill off the attachment or something that will shut off uh, the abilities or just shooting them, uh, which shooting them is definitely a, a more 
global or more uh, wide uh, answer, you know, because you're going to have plenty of uh, shooting units. But the thing with them is, you know, it's free folk. Even if you have to deploy first, you should be able to deploy them away from any ranged unit and keep them away, uh, meaning you should be able to mitigate misses they might have to something your opponent might run. So that combo, I think, is just, uh, for me, it's it's by far the best combo I've experienced with uh, many games of Free Folk as of right now. Um, before I, you know, rant the whole episode away, <laughs> uh, Sam, what do you think about uh, Harma here? Sorry, you're breaking up again. You're really quiet. Yeah. Is that better? Sit. Yep. Okay. Um, as you were saying, with your position, it's like a fun card. And as we also can incite the healing, um, as what the banner event um, allows, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sam, you're, you're breaking up pretty bad still. Can't really understand what you're saying. All right. Here, we'll, we'll jump over to um, Brett first. Uh, Brett, what do you think about Harma? Well, I think it's I think it's really unfair. Um, but I think what's going to happen to Harma for veteran players is they're going to lament over what Harma used to be. Uh, they're going to look at um, uh, superior positioning, or not superior positioning, I'm sorry, superior flanking, and they're going to remember what it was in 1.6. Um, I've always felt bear. like it's a dangerous, <laughs> dangerous, dangerous game to play. Um, any time in this game when something gets updated, you know, uh, you've got to kind of let go of the way that things used to be, and you've just got to reevaluate everything in a vacuum. Um, I know that we haven't done Lannisters yet, but I think Tyrion's commander is going to suffer from that a little bit as well. I'm sure that we'll have the opportunity to cover that, but I think the important thing to do with Harma is to just look at her in the 2021 landscape and look at what she provides and look at the gap that she plugs. I think she's still fantastic, and I think that she'll end up being popular as she was in 1.6. Yeah, I just think she's really good. Um, Besides some of the combos that you've just mentioned there, she's she's just giving Free Folk even more mobility. Um, You've got Swift Reposition, and you've got um, Diversion Tactics, which used to be one of her cards. Now it's in the basic deck. They've got the way to get across the board. And if they can do that and they can put their numbers in your face and start to trigger some of their cards, I think they're going to be pretty problematic. And, um, yeah, as you mentioned, um, with the healing, it's always frustrating when you're fighting an army that outnumbers you and you really feel like you should be taking them down a lot faster than you are and they're not dying. Um, You end up finding out that you just – you get late into the game and they've got objectives secured and you just kind of look around and you realize, I don't have enough attacks to get through this. So it can end up screwing up their entire game plan. If their game plan was to come at you aggressively and kill you, they might not be able to kill enough. Oh, yeah, especially uh, with the Chieftain. You know, 
as I've mentioned many times, one heal on a giant or anything with that ability is like healing two wounds. So if you heal up nine wounds on a Chieftain Raider from that combo I mentioned earlier, that's like getting 18 wounds back. Uh, I mean, going from 1.6 where one-shotting, like, flimsy things or even one-two punching flimsy things was fairly uh, common to 2021 and some of these combos, you're going to find out quickly that it, that could end the game for you. I mean, not that it'll make the game unwinnable, but you're going to have people thinking, okay, they're just a Raider unit, uh, and I'm going to charge in, and I'm just going to obliterate them. And you're going to find out the hard way that you're now stuck in a unwinnable uh, you know, stalemate where the Raiders aren't probably going to kill you, but now their five-point unit is tying up your six, seven-point unit that you thought was just going to run right through them, and that's going to be a mistake I think a lot of people are going to make early on, and it's going to be one of those uh, learning experiences. You know, 2021 is a whole different ball game, but I think uh, it's for the better. You know, no one, no one likes having their unit just fall, you know, blown off the table before it ever got to do anything. I mean, one of the worst things for that was uh, playing the old school apocalypse for uh, Warhammer 40k. Spend like two hours deploying and then your opponent would go first and then you'd have to remove a fourth of your army before it even moved. (laughs) But um, so now in 2021, you're going to definitely still see some one-two punches. Just uh, in rare situations, you're going to see like a one-shot. But I think Simon has given us enough tools that we, if you are scared of that happening to you, you can prevent it. Like you have enough defensive tools now to make sure that you aren't one-two punched, uh, except for in the you know, severe situations or rare situations. So, uh, yeah, I think people are going to have to, you know, kind of learn learn the game all over again in a, in a sense. You know, not from the ground up, but, you know, a couple steps back to then proceed forward, uh, figuring out the new meta, so to call it. Because as me and you, Brett, have kind of come to discover, you know, 2021, it's going to really revolve around a lot of, you know, diversity. And I think Free Folk, that's one of their strengths, is that you're rewarded for it naturally. Uh, So diversity in unit types. So ranged units, cavalry, and just different roles. Uh, Spamming things, it can still work, definitely. Uh, But I think you're going to... uh, you know, only hurt yourself um, tactically by going that route um, rather than diversifying. And like Free Folk, most of my lists, unless I'm trying to go themed, never, almost never have more than two of the same unit uh, just because of how much strength Free Folk give to you by having different units in your list. Uh, Sam, let's uh, jump back to you. Uh, how were you able to Fix your audio. I don't know. Does it sound better to you? Uh, 
Yeah, much better. I can I can understand you. There's just a little tiny like background um, noises, but overall I can I can understand what you're saying. Sound okay here? Yeah. So what do you think about Harma? I think Karma is solid. Uh, at plus one, throw her into uh, eight dwellers, and they're going to march across 14. It's, it's, you know, that's pretty good. Um, I was able to do that today against uh, the nice plus player, Ingrid Griggs. And at plus one, it doesn't seem like a lot when you're doing the march. It's pretty good. I, I was going to comment on Karma's um, uh, dog tag. Real quick question. If I use the attachment, I can still use dog tag, correct? That's still an option? Uh, sorry, what was your question? If you can still run the attachment? I have I can still use the dog tag in another unit. Is that correct? That... Uh, I'm not sure. Um, are you, you're asking about the bannerman? Yeah, if I could use the bannerman, uh, if I use Karma's attachment, not just it's hot, it's yeah, the bannerman. Yeah, the bannerman the just. Okay, so then I go back. Yeah, to you can use. And using cruel method, or even more healing, you do a retreat, you get your healing, you drop cruel method, and then you just keep calling on those heals. So that that comes up right there. That helps. So even more healing for, for yeah. the Yeah. I think that's one of the situations where if you run the bannerman in uh, anything that doesn't uh, that's not the matriarch, you'll probably want to invest in Lady Val to give you some free retreats um, on, from the board. Uh, that way, you don't have to spend your activation doing it. That way, you can kind of get you know get that free retreat either from the maneuver zone or for, and or from Lady Val, and uh, especially if they attack you with the free attack. Uh, take the maneuver zone, retreat away. They try to attack you again, like charge in, and then you use Lady Val and retreat again. And now you're still unactivated, and they've spent two act- attacks trying to kill you uh, while taking multiple uh, horrific visages. Um, so I think, yeah, that could be a, definitely a pretty scary uh, combo and maybe something that they won't even want to try to touch. Um, all right, so Harma overall, I think she's she's great. She's uh, she's probably middle of the road for me. I think uh, I value her a bit more uh, because of the fact that you know I can get the my combo at a discount essentially because Harma attachment I believe is two points if I'm not mistaken so I mean that's two extra points I'm spending to get the combo off uh, which isn't horrible I like running Harma in some savages to you know make a seven inch move unit you know marching 14 inches is pretty awesome especially you know combined with like a free maneuver and then marching 14 past uh, your uh, opponents like battle line so that they can't see you now they either have to like ignore you and wait for you to charge their flanks or even rears uh, or they have to turn to face you allowing the rest of your horde to you know look at their flank 
Um, next up we have, let's see, we did the Weeper. Um, we go with Tormund. So Tormund has the order overrun. When this unit surges forth, instead of surging forth, this unit performs one charge action, and he has furious charge. Enemies successfully charged by this unit become vulnerable. He has rush of aggression. I, you know what? I actually think uh, we went over Tormund. They actually revealed Tormund, um, and because Chase, that uh, Tormund lover, uh, requested uh, he be. Um, shown in uh, one of the Visions articles. So I'm just going to kind of give my overall thoughts uh, about about him. But he has he has Rush of Aggression, Counter Assault, and Devastating Impact. Uh, I like Tormund. I think Tormund's great. Um, I'm just not thrilled with his commander abilities. Um, Furious Charge is nice. But I've never been super thrilled with effects that only happen on the charge because you usually only get a couple charges. And then as well as Overrun. Overrun's really powerful, but in Free Folk it's not as crazy. And also you have to kill a unit, you know, to get that surge forth. So he has two abilities that, I don't know. I mean, I know the Fierce Charge helps ho hopefully trigger Overrun if he charges into a, weaken, a weaker unit. Um, but I mean, his tactics cards are awesome. Uh, you know, they're all great cards. So that's probably why I think he's, he's probably right where he should be, to be totally honest. Um, I just, I've always been a little more of a fan of commanders that are, have better abilities, even if it means you got to weaken their tactics cards, just a, like a peg. Um, so yeah, I think at that point it's just personal preference. Um, What's your overall thoughts about uh, Tormund, uh, Brett? Um, I'm actually a fan of Overrun, um, no matter what. I think that you've got some ways to whittle these units down and send him as the kind of second wave, and then you should be able to take advantage of Overrun. Um, I think in the right build, I think he's fantastic. He gives Free Folk, maybe even more so than Harma, the ability to get across the board with uh, devastating impact and with rush of aggression, um, that's going to help you close the gap if you've got an opponent like Nightwatch who really loves to stand back and shoot you. I mean, you can close that gap, like, right now, uh, especially if you're running Cave Dweller Savages. So I think he has a place. I think he's going to end up being as far as like tournament lists go and kind of the more competitive gaming, I think he's going to end up being one of the two commanders that's taken. And then the other might be Mance, it might be Harma. You know, you'll see some variation, but I think he, I think he's bringing a lot for the free folk actually. Um, my personal opinion. Yeah, I think uh, for me, uh, he's towards the bottom on my list. Again, just preference, but I definitely need to try to, you know, try him out more and kind of see, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, for Tormund, I haven't used him yet, so my thoughts on him is more so on paper than it is uh, experience. Um, so we'll have to see how Tormund pans out. Uh, Sam, do you have any, uh, like, overall thoughts on Tormund? I actually like Tormund. Uh, throws Tormund uh, into Faster Girl. Warcry, you basically got a good So, 
panic, vulnerable, you know, adding to your morale. Well, that's his uh, attachment. That's his uh, two-point attachment that has that. Correct. Uh, oh, okay. Sort of warm. Yeah, I was just talking about the attachment. I apologize. So come in, like you know, comes in like you a priestess, drop that panic and vulnerable token. That's what girls do. Get up, get up that unit. And some of his cards, if you want to, uh, a flash of aggression to get there, like Brett was saying, and now take out those nasty crossbows. Yeah, I think uh, I think combined with his cards, being able to you know inferior charge should have a decent shot at getting that overrun. I suppose, especially if you already charged the unit and weakened them a little bit uh, from another unit's uh, attack. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely have to try him out and see how that goes. Uh, next up, we have. Uh, Arguably my favorite commander, uh, probably less so for competitive, but just so more so for theme, and that's Rattleshirt, the Lord of Bones. Uh, he has Intimidating Presence, which is uh, an amazing ability to have. And then he has uh, the Order Trophy Collecting. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, if destroyed and any... Uh, if it destroyed an enemy rank, search your tactics deck or discard pile for one of Rattleshirt Commander tactics cards and play it. Shuffle your tactics deck. So uh, before I give my thoughts on that, I want to read his, uh, his cards. That way we can kind of get an idea of what you're getting from that ability. He has bloody trophies. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, if it destroyed an enemy rank, Attach this card to one friendly infantry or cavalry unit in short range of the attacker. All enemies they are engaged with becomes panicked. So important to note that that part is an immediate effect. As soon as you get attached, you're panicked, panicking them. And then when an enemy performs an action while engaged with this unit, before resolving that action, they become panicked. So if they even try to retreat, from you, they're going to become panicked. Uh, weapon trophies. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, if destroyed an enemy rank, attach this card to one friendly infantry or cavalry unit in short range of the attacker. While attached, their melee attacks gain plus one to hit. Huge. Especially because free folk, I believe, all have four up to hit, with the exception of, I think, the uh, Bone Lord's Chosen. So, plus one to hit is always extremely valuable in 2021. Uh, and then lastly, armor trophies. After a friendly unit completes a melee attack, if it destroyed an enemy rank, attach this card to one friendly infantry or cavalry unit in short range of the attacker. While attached, they gain plus one to defense dice rolls. Uh, again, uh, awesome, especially if you throw it on some thens, make them a three-up armor. Um, I believe, you know, it's uh, you could do some pretty awesome stuff, and there's no limit to how many of these can of different ones of these can be attached. They obviously can't stack, but uh, so the ability that Rattle Shirt has the trophy collecting to just go search anywhere and then put it on immediately with no range and from either pile is amazing. Uh, I absolutely love Rattle Shirt, and I think uh, think he might be a little underrated just from what I've been hearing. Uh, Brett, what do you think about this guy? Uh, you know, I'm kind of with you as well. Um, I really like Rattleshirt. I've always wanted him to be really good. Uh, I think one of the benefits 
of taking Rattleshirt's commander that is probably slightly overlooked is that you don't pay for his commander attachment, and so you can bring those really nasty Bone Lord Chosen for free. Um, well, not for free, I'm sorry, excuse me. You don't need to pay the, uh, the tax point. for his attachment. Yeah. So that's pretty substantial because the Bone Lords Chosen are really, really nasty. And that's not just – that is a really nasty unit. So um, being able to bring them without the attachment penalty cost is pretty huge. Um, and then, again, like you said, his ability to go fish for cards, I think we've seen throughout every version of this game that tactics cards are what make and break the game, right? Um you can play without cards. You can get things done, you know, when you don't have your cards. But I think everybody will agree that having the cards that you need at the right time is generally, you know, um, a win for you, right? If you don't just flat out win the game, it definitely makes uh, the game easier for you. So being able to go get them at will uh, with, the, you know, the mere price of destroying a rank, uh, it's not that hard to do with free folk, particularly – when you've got some of the panic shenanigans, which they themselves can just take that rank out for you. Um, I think he he's good, um, and I think that he might end up being played a lot. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, but, yeah, being able to give, like, uh, a giant a three-plus defensive save, uh, I think giants are already probably pretty frustrating um, because you've seen can. most uh, – has to be cavalry. Infantry, right? My bad. Cavalry. Never mind. But yeah, not. I was thinking the same Just thing. Just ignore me. I... <laughs> but I'm, that would I'm be out of the loop insane. So badly right now. Um, I feel really <laughs> dumb. So yeah, just ignore me. Um, but as you mentioned, with the thin, you can still make some seriously tanky units with that defensive card. Um, even a unit of raiders with a skin changer at effectively morale five knocking them down to a four-plus defensive save can turn them into a proper tank. I think he's just going to take some tinkering around, and you're going to have to figure out the list that works for him. But I think he could be pretty good. Yep. And even though he's, you know, the leader for the Fowler's Bone uh, and the Bone Lord's Chosen, like, he doesn't necessarily revolve around needing the panic theme. So you don't have, you aren't pigeonholed into running a bunch of Fowler's Bone. Uh, and another important thing to notice, the trophy collecting is an order with the same trigger as his tactics cards, meaning that when you go and search one and it tells you to play it, it's a way to actually kind of get around the fact that you're playing a tactics card and an order with the same trigger. Because, uh, you know, you're not really playing the tactics card as a tactics card, you're playing it as a result of the order, which is, I think, a pretty cool mechanic. Uh, Sam, what do you think uh, about Rattle Shirt here? I'm um, having been a Magic player for over a decade and a half. The ability to go get any card you want from your deck, or in the case of Rattle Shirt, getting any of his key cards, this card piles is huge. Um, talk about card advantage. Talk about you know, being able to play the cards that you can do it. The point you just made that you can just play it as easy as a result of the order. And then you can play it again the next turn because you don't really, you don't, the card is not removed from the game. It's still there. You can use it every turn. So that, I hear what you're saying that people are undervaluing Battle Shirt. That ability alone is 
extremely powerful, being able to pull off, you know, uh, weapon trophies repeatedly, bang in with your know, follower bone breathing your uh, cape girl or savages, is so good. So I, I really like Ravisher. Yeah, and I think uh, as you're, you sort of mentioned there, it's also important to note that all of his cards attach for the remainder of the game. And then even after you kill the unit, it goes to the discard pile and he has a way to just pull them right back out. I've had a couple of games where now where I've had like almost all of them attached and immediately when a unit dies and it goes into the discard pile, I then can trigger rattle shirt and get it right back. So um, super powerful, especially with him. I love running man, Mance and Craster to just draw super fast. Uh, so I can just go get a lot of his cards and just, even though he can search the deck, I love getting his cards and then playing them and then just reserving his ability to pull them out of the discard pile when needed. Um, so, We'll move on. We got two more commanders. Uh, probably uh, my third favorite here, uh, Steyr, the Magnar of Then. Order Then uh, Supremacy. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, target the attacker. They suffer one panic test with a minus one to their roll and a plus one wounds on failure for each remaining rank in this unit. So much like Lannister Supremacy, uh, and it's been clarified uh, that if you're at full ranks, and after the attack, they will take a minus three and take plus three on for the damage. So D3 plus three. Uh, so um, he also has Iron Resolve. This unit gains plus one of panic test rolls and suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests. I think for me, it's like a no-brainer. You put Steyr in Fens because... The unyielding combined with Iron Resolve means that at last rank, unless you have a way to increase damage, they auto don't take any wounds, even if they fail a panic test, because they'll be at minus three wounds. And then that'll also turn their uh, morale, I believe, to a, a five, because they're at a six right now uh, base, so that Iron Resolve makes them a five. So now you have a, a four-up defense with a five-up uh, morale, taking less damage and then that in turn allows you to stay around longer uh, or with more ranks to then beef up then supremacy uh, he also then has final strike uh, and after an enemy completes an attack for each wound the defender suffered from this attack one enemy they are engaged with suffers one hit if the defender was in long range of Steyr's unit that enemy suffers minus one to defense dice rolls against these hits um, I think uh, way better than the Baratheon version, but granted this is a named card, so a uh, commander card, so it, it makes sense. You know, the commander cards tend to be a bit more beefy in one way or another. He also has Then Defiance. Played this just uh, yesterday, and I was surprised at how awesome it was. When a friendly unit is performing a panic test after dice are rolled, that unit may re-roll any dice for that uh, this test. If they're in short range of Steyr, they pass this test instead. If this targets Steyr's unit, target one enemy they're engaged with, they suffer one wound plus one wound for each of this unit's destroyed ranks, which also can combine with Final Strike because of the timing, uh, which could be, you know, especially with then supremacy. Uh, uh, it might actually, Final Strike might uh, compete with then supremacy. Yeah, it does. But still, there's so many uh, 
like retribution effects from Steyr here. Uh, and then Steyr's Vengeance, start of any turn, you target a friendly combat unit, attach this card to them till the end of the game. When a friendly unit is destroyed, plus one order token on this card. While this card has an order token, the attached unit gains. When this unit attacks before attack dice are rolled, the defender becomes vulnerable, meaning every single time you attack, you are re-vulnerabling your opponent, meaning just use it. Just even if they only failed one, or passed one armor save, just use it. Because every single time you're going to attack, you're just going to get another one. Granted, now if you're about to charge with another unit, you might want to save it so that they can use it. But if it's just one-on-one, just just use that vulnerable to use it. Um, yeah, overall, uh, Steyr, amazingly powerful, I think. Uh, that retribution-style effects on such a flimsy, you know, units... Uh, that is really going to ma- punish your opponent for attacking you. Uh, Brett, what do you think of Steyr? I know you really loved him in 1.6. How do you feel about his change in 2021? Uh, Steyr's Vengeance is much more fair. I think of all of the 1.6 cards that, that I had a complaint about, uh, Steyr's Vengeance was one that was just, it was just too good. Um, because it could happen at any time if a death happened in the round. At least with this card, they're placing it so you know it's there. Um, Sire's Vengeance was just so hard to play around in 1.6. Um, we won't go into it, but um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it cost me many, many games, um, either because I didn't kill when I should have because I was afraid of the card, or because I killed and Steyr's Vengeance came and got me. So, um, that said, I think this version is very, very fair. It's still really, really strong. Um, and that's fine. Uh, he should be strong. It's Steyr. So, um, I'm pretty happy with him. When I play-tested Freefolk, he was kind of my go-to commander for a number of reasons. Um, but I actually enjoyed playing him. I enjoyed some of his combos that, that... He can pull off some of the retribution style that you're talking about here. Um, I thought he was incredibly fair, and I just really enjoyed it. So it's weird for me to say, but I did. So I think he'll get some play. Uh, It's really difficult. Um, I still am not entirely sure what the competitive meta is going to look at look like. Of course, we'll we've got some time to kind of sort that out and. The player base will kind of decide that, but it's I can't really call who's going to be the go-to commanders, but it's very, very possible, and I really think it's not out of the realm of possibility at all, um, and it would be what I would want, but I think they've done such a good job with balance that you should see everyone. I don't think there will be some of the kind of issues that we had in 1.6 where it was like, well, if you want to win, then you'll run Steyr, and you'll run Harma. Uh, If you want to run Fun, then you'll run this. But if you're playing competitively, you have to run this. And I don't think we have those problems anymore with any faction. I think every commander for every faction has merit. So um, I think you'll see a lot of variety going forward with the game. I agree. Uh, Free Folk in particular, for me anyways, personal uh, preference is that uh, none of these commanders are bad. Uh, and not, and the gap between them is small for me. Uh, like I was mentioning, the two uh, 
Weeper and uh, Tormund are kind of the bottom of the list for me, but that's just preference. I ha- I don't think that they're any they're that much weaker in any way. Even with you know my preference on commander, uh, I'd argue that in the right hands, uh, all these commanders are nearly as good as each other. Um, Sam, what do you think uh, before we move on to uh, our last uh, commander here? Your commander solid. What I think the attachment here is going to suffer from is having to compete with Bell, Grid, Man, and Crafter in a two-fifty meta meta. Because as much as the plus one attack is not really good, when you look at Crafter, Grid, and the other one, I know. Preference, you know, in commander choice, and you know, certain, you know, certain commanders you take will also kind of influence how your choices of the NCUs will come about. Because as I, I think I mentioned in the last show, you know, because they only have five NCUs, if you want to end up running Sire or Mance, which for me are, um, are way up there. Uh, you know, that takes out one of your NCU options, only leaving it with four, two of which are replacement effects. So I'm not really saying that they need to change any of the NCUs. They just need to come out with uh, a Hero Box 2 for them soon so that we can get a couple more NCU options since they don't have access to any of the neutral NCUs. I, I just want to um, Yeah, go ahead. Third, the attachment is competing for space, and I do agree with you. We do need some more heroes for our results match. Sorry, what was that? Uh, I was saying that I wanted to clarify that I was speaking on stir the attachment um, as find, trying to find spaces in you versus the other one, and that stir the commander is pretty good. And I am also looking forward to seeing some heroes for the free folk faction. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Free Folk more so than anything else because they don't have the neutrals. Um, I would love to see Simon kind of like uh, expedite, you know, the Free Folk Hero Box 2 uh, just to kind of help Free Folk out with, you know, the the fact that they um, they might have close to as many units uh, as a lot of some factions. But there's just so many neutrals now that they really do have far fewer selection, um, and it would just it would be nice to kind of see at least a hero box to give uh, maybe one, two more commanders, like three more NCUs, and some more uh, attachment options. Uh, but with that said, we'll jump into our last commander here, 
probably my favorite, especially competitively. Uh, Mance Raider has the order counter strategy. When an enemy in short range uses an order or is targeted by a tactics card, roll a die and on a three up, cancel the effect of that order or tactics card. He also has inspiring presence. The This unit's morale stat become a, becomes a five plus and rally point. Friend, friendly units in short range may use this unit's morale stat for all morale tests. He has Wildling Diplomacy. When an enemy NCU activates, if that NCU claims a zone this turn before or after resolving that zone's effect, target one enemy combat unit. It gains one condition token. Then target one enemy combat unit. It suffers D3 plus one wounds. Uh, this this card's amazing because um, it depending on what they have, I mean, you could snipe on... A good uh, on a good roll for this, you could snipe a a solo, uh, and you know even though it the odds aren't like that high, it's high enough that in a lot of cases your your opponent might just pass on their NCU so they don't claim his own, which in a card in it of itself to stop um, an NCU from doing anything is powerful. Because not only will they not get the zone, if that NCU required a zone to be claimed to, let's say, an influence token, they're not going to get that either. Uh, so this is super powerful. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love the, uh, this card and how it was uh, how it was made um, or you know designed. Um, let's see. Then uh, we have predictable maneuvers, start of an enemy turn, target one enemy combat unit and one enemy NCU. If either unit performs an action this turn, before they resolve that action, one friendly combat unit performs one attack, maneuver, or retreat action. Now, I found, uh, found in playtesting that uh, best way to use this is wait until they only have one NCU left or one combat unit left, either or. Um, I like to combo with Wildling Diplomacy and wait until they've activated their first of two NCUs and then wait for them, you know, they'll activate the first NCU and I'll play Wildling Diplomacy. They pass on them. Okay. Now they start them in return. I'll say, okay, if you, uh, uh, I'll target their other NCU and now they have to go to the board or now they have to possibly just pick something else to activate because it's a start of turn. So they don't have to like waste the NCU. They're just going to have to not do uh, pick it this turn, which allows you like free reign on the board sometimes, um, especially, you know, trying to get that maneuver zone um, for some of your effects or, you know, just uh, to maybe get Jarl in uh, from outflank or something like that. Or even just wait until they literally have only one combat unit left and nothing else. So uh, they have to just pass. Because they could choose to do nothing and not perform an action to bypass this as well. But, I mean, a free attack uh, maneuver or retreat is super powerful. Uh, and then the long plan. End of any turn, if an opponent controls the letter, search your tactics deck for any one card and add it to your hand and shuffle your tactics deck. Uh, and then end of round... Uh, has another uh, option to end of round, search your tactic, tactics deck for any one card and add it to your hand, shuffle your tactics deck, and at, and 
end of any turn, draw one tactics card. So lots of options here, um, especially combined with his other cards, you can kind of ensure that you get the letter uh, to draw some cards, and then you can play this card, and because you've played it out of your hand, it frees up at least one slot of your five-card hand limit to go get any one cards you need, especially if you go get the Endless Horde, um, knowing that you can then uh, take the Maneuver Zone to um, replace it and bring in a unit. Um, so I, I think uh, Mance, in my opinion, is overall the best commander when you factor uh, his attachment abilities combined with his three cards. Uh, Brett, what do you think about uh, Mance here? Oh, yeah, he's, like, annoyingly good. <laughs> um, he kind <laughs> of always has been. Um, I like control style, so um, he appeals to me in that regard. Again, I mostly played Steyr, but there were other reasons for that. But... Um, that said, um, I think Mance has a lot of flexibility. I enjoy the fact that um, they changed um, predictable mover, maneuvers. Instead of it just being that free attack, it could be a march or a maneuver. Um, I like flexibility. I like options. So that would be a pretty strong appeal to me if I was debating taking him. Um, yeah, I just think overall he's good. I mean, no matter how, no matter how you look at him, even if you're not comparing him to his old version and what got better, what got worse. Um, Wildling Diplomacy, towards the end of 1.6, it was really rare that I ever saw anybody voluntarily take those wounds. So um, as you mentioned, more often than not, it's just going to be an NCU activating and doing nothing. Um, I think you might see two NCU at least a little bit more than you did in 1.6, and that is just crippling in, in that atmosphere. Um, especially if the um, free folk player is running three against somebody that's running two, he can pretty much be guaranteed to target his own that you don't want, that he doesn't want you to claim and you won't be able to move on to the board without taking those wounds. So um, yeah, it's going to be pretty problematic just as it was in uh, 1.6 where it's either, you know, do nothing or take these wounds. Uh, and I don't know many people that want to take those wounds, <laughs> especially not if they yeah. have solos. But even even without solos, it can really uh, either put a dent in a strong combat unit or it can potentially finish them off. So it's just – it's strong and it's really, really controlling. So um, nothing's really changed, well, and, to be honest. That's, that's the way yeah. it's been, so – giving you the option to do it before or after that zone's effect. So you could potentially finish off a unit before they even can take the wealth zone to heal them back up, especially if you right. went first that turn, took the free attack, swung at a unit, now they're almost dead, and they go to activate to hopefully heal them from the wealth, and you go, okay, following diplomacy, uh, you going to pass? And now they're in a like a lose-lose because... If they pass and not uh, and not do anything, they don't get any effect. And then you just use your unit's normal activation to swing again and finish the unit off. Because uh, not only are you doing those auto wounds, you get to place a token of a condition token of your choice. So you could place a vulnerable on that unit now. You could place, you know, uh, a weakened 
if they uh, if they might be, let's say, like Greyjoys and they're Victarion and you're afraid that they might replace the zone with a free attack, uh, you could weaken them. Um, I mean, there's so many things you can do with this card. I think it's, uh, it's amazing uh, the amount of control uh, Mance gives you because having more activations than your opponent is a huge element of control in an in in itself, uh, you know, having two more activations allows you to outweigh things, and then you know you have three uh, one card that lets you search for anything you need, which will help you get a card that's controlly, and then predictable maneuvers and wilding diplomacy, and then on top of that, counter strategy, uh, his order are all super controlly. Uh, and like I was mentioning, you know, my strategy is stick them in thens. Granted, you're only getting a plus one to your morale putting them in there, but they're just so defensive um, that, uh, you know, and then I, uh, you know, stick to five-point raiders with uh, chieftains within his bubble, and that was just this big blob of wounds that will just seem like it'll never go away. Uh, and you can really just throw them up into the mix and usually not have to worry too much about what's going on. Uh, and then with all that element of control, it just it gets a little overwhelming uh, for your opponent. Um, and then uh, lastly, Sam, uh, what are you to wrap it kind of all up? How are you feeling about Mance here and uh, the way you know maybe his play style? Sorry, you're, uh, you're like really distant. Can't really hear anything. How about now? Is that better? Yeah, you're good. Yep. Okay. Um, I think Man says uh, Brent was lamenting very good. Probably the best commander that we folk have, in my opinion. Um, the long plan, in my opinion, is the best tactic card that free folk have because of what it does. You can go to any card you need or want. So, for me, value of that card thing. Um, and looking at coordination tactics and being able to give Mance's ability to another um, to another unit if I'm correct me if I'm wrong but I think that extends the bubble the, uh, the morale bubble and it also gives that other unit counter strategy so you have you know the ability to, to counter attack the card um, you know through that other unit. So Mance is just good. Incredibly good. Yep. Yeah, like you were saying that uh the coordinate coordinating tactics uh could uh that would extend the bubble. You wouldn't even you know, 'cause I believe it's within is it within long for coordination tactics. Uh see that's diversion. It's um short range of each other, but still, you then give, uh, let's say in my list, one of the Raider and Chieftain units his abilities, which then uh, gives it to the unit next to them, and like you're saying, you can uh, uh, counter strategy uh, an order or tactics card. And the nice thing about coordination tactics is, I mean, it's nice and bad, in multiple ways, but what I'm getting at is that times won't realize all of the things you're getting. And so sometimes they might 
play or try to do something, let's say like with the counter strategy, because you'd be able to ignore it on a three up, they might not factor the the fact that you're getting a counter strategy and the bubble and the rally point and the unyielding and all these things coming from this unit onto this new unit now. Uh, and so that's it's an upside in the sense that you're kind of pulling pulling a fast one on your opponent, but downside because sometimes it, it doesn't feel right to get, you know, something just because your opponent didn't realize it. Um, you know, in that case, usually you'd just be like, oh, you know, you say you're going to use an ability and they go, oh, I forgot. And sometimes they might just try to take it back, which is fine. Um, you just let them take it back. I mean, in the end, you kind of win out either way because now you know they have like a, tact a certain tactics card in their hand or something. But uh, yeah, I think coordination tactics um, really lends to like what your commander is providing, um, especially uh, if you know you coordination tactics like even like let's say rattle shirt. Uh, and you can go get multiple of his cards. Like if you coordination tactics, charge, do a rank, trigger the order, uh, go get you know one from wherever, attach it, and then now you can do his later in the game, uh, later in that round or something. There's just so many things you can end up doing uh, with coordination tactics com uh, in when factoring abilities that your commander is going to give, like uh, Tormund Overrun. You know, a unit's about to be dead. Okay, I'm within short of Tormund. I'm going to now charge in, get a vulnerable token, and kill you off and now overrun. Um, there's just so much potential with the tactics cards that they've given, both with the commanders and their uh, and the base deck. Um, but that kind of wraps us up with uh, all of Free Folk of 2021 between the last show and this show. Overall, super strong faction. Um, I've played lots of games, and nothing seems, you know, uh, for, I guess, a lack of a better word, broken, OP, overtuned, whatever word you want to use. Nothing seems to be that uh, for Free Folk, which is awesome. Uh, there's some really strong combos and things you can do, like really strong Um for me, in my experience, Spearwives with a Matriarch and Bannerman, super strong, super annoying, and super, un, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I wouldn't say unkillable, but super uh, resilient. Um, you know, there's just lots of things you can do now with Free Folk, and it just, the whole faction itself just seems more fluid. You know, things just mesh together much better than they did before. Uh Sam, your overall, let's uh, we'll end by just talking about the overall takeaway you have, not just with the commanders, but just the, the entire faction uh, going from 1.6 to 2021. I, I think given the landscape, the, the faction's better, better than it was in the past because the faction's back. Um, every, every unit feels like it has a place except for trappers. We already know about that place. Every unit has a place and an engine. That's how I feel about this. It's really good. And, and Brent, I want to say thank you for all your input in the past and, uh, and all the work you did to help me out. Um, hold on. You wanted to thank me for what? 
for all the input and feedback you've given me in the past and for the work that you did to help create this update as a tester. Oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Um, yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, as I mentioned, I did do a lot of um, a lot of playtesting with FreeFolk. Um, I think part of the reason that I played with them was um, I just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, they were fun and uh, playable because I knew, I guess, um, pretty soon into playtesting that the the whole insignificant spam auto win kind of thing. Well, I won't say auto win, but the whole insignificant spam thing was going to change. So I was like, you know, I had the desire to play Free Folk a while ago, but I just wasn't into the insignificant spam. I wasn't into Raider Trapper spam. Um, so for me, it was really exciting to see some of these cool units like Followers of Bone and the Cave Dweller Savages become what they are right now. So uh, for me, I was really happy to play them, and I'm pretty pleased with where they ended up. So, yeah, it's, it's all my pleasure. And then, Brett, we'll uh, jump right over to you. Uh, your final thoughts of uh, 1.6 to 2021, uh, Coke? Uh, like I said, I think a lot of people are stuck in this trap where they're just comparing, you know, what Free Folk were and 1.6. You know, oh, trappers are... Trappers are just horrible. They don't do auto wounds anymore. And, oh, Steyer is just unplayable because he doesn't do auto wounds anymore. And it's like, I mean, I'm not trying to mock these people because I know that um, legitimate concern is a real thing. And, you know, they've bought into this game. They've paid for these models. But, like, I think it's just across the board. People just really need to get out and they need to play games because I know that at first on Facebook, I mean, I disconnected from Facebook for a while. Like, once the once the real update dropped and people got to see, like, some of the changes that were actually happening, not some leaked file that wasn't even accurate, once people got to see it, I knew that there was going to be a lot of backlash. I knew that there was going to be a lot of knee-jerk reactions. So I really disconnected for a while. But I've reconnected after some of it settled down. And, you know, the, the result that I'm seeing now is exactly as I would have predicted people are finally starting to play games and they're like, well, hey, wait a second. This isn't bad. Hey, wait a second. I tried this today and, hey, it's actually good. And, like, those are things that I really like to see because some of these are, are things that we as playtesters, like, had to discover for ourselves too, you know. There was a little bit of a growing pain for me as well when I jumped in transitioning from 1.6 to 2021 update and, you know, everything was different. But you know, I went at it with an open mind, and that's what I think everybody has to do. You just have to stop comparing things to what they are, what they were in 1.6, because I promise you, if you go at it with that mentality, you're going to overlook things that might not have been so great in 1.6, but they are phenomenal in 2021. And I gave a few hints because I think that Hardened is one of the best abilities in the game. And I think if you look at it from a 2021 lens, you're like, well, what does it matter if I block one hit? And if I block three hits when I'm at last rank, I'm just going to die anyway because Stark Sworn Swords can hit me 17 times with Sundering, so what does it matter? <laughs> but once you adapt to the 2021 landscape where those types of things are few and far between, honestly, um, then you realize, like, hey, this is consistently good 
and because of all the other changes all coming together, this is like really, really good right now. And I think that's I think that's where free folk stand. I think in the end, people will see that free folk are still really good. They're definitely much more fun to play. You're not shoehorned into playing insignificant spam if you want to compete. You can run whatever you want, just like you can with any faction. There are some really nice combos there that can be played. And even what's powerful right now, like I know people are starting to get games in, and some people think they've got things figured out, but that's it just takes longer than that for the meta to emerge. So uh, we'll know here in a little bit, but I think – I think people are going to constantly be chasing what's good because I don't think anything is just clearly better than anything else. So we'll wait and see, and I'm very excited for that. But I think with Free Folk especially, um, you need to give them some games. Give them, some chance, give them a chance, play some games, try some different stuff out, and I think you'll be impressed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I've been playing nonstop. I took a very small break to play a little Age of Sigmar, a little Conquest, but now that 21's dropped, I've been nonstop playing uh, tons of games, uh, in-person games every week, uh, and just really diving in. And I'd have to say, other than a couple complaints per faction, and a couple is almost, you know, it's it's nothing. You know, nothing's going to be perfect. I'd say, you know, 2021 is amazing. Uh, the update, it's Simon's done an amazing job, and the handful of complaints I have per faction uh, is, you know, I'm sure, you know, if if my complaints are legit, I'm confident Simon will, you know, look at it and they'll adjust it uh, once once they've gotten enough data. Because if you've listened to any of uh, you know the interviews with Michael and Fabio, you you have to understand that as a development uh, team, you can't just hear someone complain and then immediately have a knee-jerk reaction. You know, they, they need data. They need enough of it. Data, I don't mean just a post complaining about it or bringing it up, like actual data. Um, so what I want to challenge everyone listening to do is two things. One, I want you to mention the things that you love. Uh, you know, it's constructive criticism is healthy and it's good. Uh, and so the things that we find that are too powerful or maybe just slightly too weak, you should definitely bring those up, but bring it up, uh, you know, on the Facebook group with, you know, constructive uh, criticism. But also I want you to talk about the things you love about 2021 because, you know, when you have just the, I'll call them the normies on Facebook, just scrolling through and all they see is, you know, 2021, uh, this unit's horrible, this unit's busted, this unit's no good anymore, just all these things, and that's all they see. Immediately they think, okay, 2021 is, uh, version is just going to be trash. And that's not really the case. Uh, I feel like we kind of cling on to uh, the bad when we have change, you know, and 2021 is a fairly big change. Um, so I want you to, you know, not only point out, you know, some of the concerns you have, but also some of the things you love. Uh, that way we can kind of get a nice mixture of con- constructive criticism and, you know, the, the great things that the 2021 update is bringing to the game. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in the end, the game will, you know, be better for it. 
like I said, I'm confident CMON will take any of any of our legitimate uh, complaints as soon as they have enough data, and they'll you know they'll fix it. Um, but with that said, uh, everyone, I want to thank you all for listening in. Uh, remember to like, uh, share, and follow us on Facebook or any of the platforms that you listen to us on. We are on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, I believe like three other platforms. And uh, we don't care which one you listen to us on. We just we do this uh, for you guys. We do it every uh, um, every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and every other Sunday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time live. And you guys can call in if you have any concerns. You can follow us on Discord, and we have a tab in there where you post your questions if you can't call in. Um, you know, I'm always available if you guys want to talk. You can message me on Facebook or on Discord or wherever the case may be. Um, we can talk some ice and fire. Uh, you know, I'm usually, you know, with when I'm working on the ambulance, I have a lot of downtime sometimes, so I can, uh, um, you know, usually chat then pretty, uh, pretty frequently. So. But yeah, uh, and then best way to help us out is word of mouth. Share us out wherever you can. You know, tell your gaming group about us. Uh, you know, that's you know that's the best thing you can do to help us out. Uh, just kind of help us grow, and um, you know, that's uh, you know all we're uh, kind of looking for. Um, next up, we will uh, be talking about another faction starting uh, next show. Um, I think I have the list somewhere, but uh, I will. You know, I'll announce it when uh, when I remember what it was. But again, all the factions will be two-parters just because there's so much content to go through. Uh, we're kind of going through them in the order of which uh, we've seen a lot more complaints uh, than other factions, just to kind of help uh, you know those that are concerned about their faction, you know, kind of help alleviate those concerns. Uh, but yeah, until next time, uh, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.